Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Be streaming at supertalk.fm, longer version of the governor's press conference today focused, uh, at least his message initially was focused uh, primarily on unemployment security, unemployment benefits, a bunch of questions about that, uh, and then some other questions as long, uh, going along as well. You're listening to Super Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. Today's Thursday, right? <laughs> I think so. Done three shows. Yeah. And yes, it's Thursday. <laughs> yes, I'm, I, I was not trying to be funny. I was not being flippant. I just had this panic all of a sudden. Okay, wait. Today's Wednesday. No, 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 not Wednesday. Today is Thursday. Here's how I know this. I know this because I was sad earlier today. I was contemplating. I, I've kind of got to get to the point where I stop doing this. I don't know if you guys are doing this or not, but there's still notifications that pop up on my calendar of what would have been. Here's what would have been if life were normal. Sports Talk Mississippi would be broadcasting live right now from the sports book at Timeout Lounge at the Pearl River Resort inside the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. Hey, Dad, we would have one of those great big trays either in front of us or coming very shortly that had all the different foods. Yeah. The, the nachos, the cheese sticks, the barbecue sliders, maybe some ribs on there, perhaps a pizza. You, you know the spread. Why, why, why you do this? We would have had we would have had that going on. Yeah. The second. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me press pause. While we were there, on roughly thirty televisions, all around us, we would be watching live first-round coverage of the Masters. And the second Sports Talk Mississippi ended, Borky, Hey Dad, Rippy, I'm sorry, myself, Hey Dad, Rippy, and Borky, if we could have convinced him, all would have jumped in our vehicles and hightailed it to Starkville for Game 1 of a three-game series between Mississippi State and Ole Miss for the start of Super Bulldog weekend rolling toward Easter Sunday. That's what would have been going on today. This is kind of cruel. That wasn't painful at all. I don't feel terrible right this second at all. My apologies for <laughs> depressing content. I that one, there are certain days, Borky, that have been like, eh, that's a bummer. That would have been fun. This would have been a good day. And then there is today. And it's like, holy cow, do you know how much fun today would have been? Would have been an all-timer. I'm not as sad about the Masters this week because I'm one of those idiots that uh, is thinking that we will be able to get it in November. And I think that will be just so unique and cool. That oh, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I don't. Of course I miss it this week because it's my favorite event in the sport. But knowing that we've got it coming in November, I don't miss it as much as some are today. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and who the heck is that guy? Oh, he's shaved. You look different, hey, Dad. I do. I feel much lighter. When's the last time you had no beard whatsoever? 
I looked through some old pictures. My, we went to Disney in 2017, and I was sort of scruffy. So, summer, spring, summer of, of 2017. Was this a boredom issue? No, I told you I was going to cut my hair, and I started with the beard, and I realized this is way too close. So I didn't do the hair; I just did the beard. And uh, yeah, this was after I got done. I was like, "Well, I might as well just." It was just stubble at that point. So, are you going to stick with the clean shaven look for no, a while? No, no. Okay, so you're immediately it. growing back the beard. Yeah, I shaved again today just so I could be nice and smooth for you guys. I know you wanted to see the baby <laughs> face, and then. Uh, I'll start going back out immediately. If you are curious what uh, Brian Haydad looks starting at 4 o'clock, you'll be able to watch on supertalktv.com and uh, on the Periscope feed uh, on Twitter as well. A baby-faced, clean-shaven Brian Haydad. Rippy, what's up with you today? Not a whole lot. Groundhog Day. A baby-faced, clean-shaven Brian Scott Rippy, although he hasn't shaved in a month. It might be longer than that. 95? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was thinking about it the other day. I have... So I do, like, the beard trimmer thing on my face, so it just kind of stays stubble, and I'll let it grow for two or three days and then hit it, and it goes back to, you know, whatever. The last time I was completely clean-shaven was before whenever the last TV game I did was. So, like maybe the morning of March 7th. I think that March 7th was the last day of the regular season of college basketball. So I clean shave because wearing a suit, coat and tie or whatever, just seems to look a little bit better. Hadn't shaved since. So maybe that's a benefit of coronavirus, I guess. Seems like a bit of a stretch to uh, to call that a benefit. Yeah, I agree. The C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601 If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can do so there. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspire cares. We got the uh, what a vanity queen Haydad shaved because of the live stream. <laughs> I love no. it. No. You're so vain. Trust me, if I wanted to be vain, I would have kept the beard. It would hide the double chin a little bit better. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm being ridiculed a bit, and I guess deservedly so. Derek in the Delta says, thanks, Richard Cross. Just rub it in. Somebody said, now everyone is sad. Good job, LOL. <laughs> yeah, that's like a misery loves company thing. But no, I, I, I wasn't really saying that to make anybody feel bad. It was more thinking of, and I guess that's the unintended consequence here, but this would have been like a circle on the calendar day. And Borky, I completely get what you're saying about we're going to get the Masters. Yeah, I'm trying we're to make myself feel better here. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fabulous. But think about getting the first round of the Masters, game one of Super Bulldog weekend, Mississippi State hosting Ole Miss. Probably could have gone early and played golf at Dancing Rabbit this morning if we had really wanted to. Um, yeah, this that could have been have a, a banner day. Do what, Borky? That would have happened. Yeah. I think I'm the only one that's actually done that so far. Gotten there early enough to uh, to play golf. I've played it, 
uh, just not yeah. before a show. I did it uh, the day before I got married, and it was 38 degrees and little light rain, but I, I wasn't going to let it stop me. We uh, we may need to check in with our friends in the uh, in the golf shop at Dancing Rabbit and uh, kind of get an update on what the uh, the course condition is like and uh, some golf thoughts as we hopefully are trending closer to uh, being able to a little more easily get out and uh, do some of those things and uh, I guess some limited amounts of good news happening on the uh, the COVID nineteen front but they are very limited and please don't take small amounts of good news as a sign that, okay, you don't have to be careful anymore. Hey, now I can get out and go crazy. I think the point is when we start getting a little bit of good news, that means we're trending in the right direction and some of the social distancing and stay at home um, ideas are proving to work. And so we've got to allow them to fully work. So stick to those protocols. I know it's tough, especially if it's, uh, it's nice outside. Uh, again, the ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Hammy in Hattiesburg has a question. We will get to that when we come back with you in just a couple of minutes. We've also got some news to get to, some news out of Starkville on the basketball front. And Michael Bur- Borky, Berkey, Borky, coming up with a new last name for you every day. I think yesterday it was Borkio, and today we're going with uh, Michael Berkey. He has uh, spent a lot of time putting together an extensive list of buy or sell items. Some of them have to do with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Some of them have to do with college football. Some of them have to do with the NFL. We'll get into all of that. Uh, There is another uh, level to Brett McMurphy's ongoing story based on his survey of Division I athletics directors. That's coming up as well. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Hammy and Hattiesburg, can you guys continue fueling the thought or idea of college game day from Augusta? The more I think about it, the more I want it to happen. And I was on board from the beginning, but... the way I see it is, yes, it would be very different. And no, you could not have people and signs and like a band and cheerleaders and stuff. It would have to be like more golf appropriate than your typical college game day. But this fall, if everything goes back to normal, will be the most unique fall in sports history. I mean, we will have the Masters while college football's going on. And so why not capture the uniqueness of the situation by putting Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler looking over Augusta National talking about college football. Just for one weekend, capture the, the unique situation that we'd all be in by having the crossover event for two things that have never happened at the same time before. My, I'm just thinking out loud here. I just don't know that the ladies and gentlemen in green jackets yeah. are going to be open to the idea of let's stage college game day here. We'd actually do pretty well with promotion on our own. Although it maybe is far more likely with Fred Ridley as chairman of Augusta National than if it had been Hootie Johnson or Billy Payne or Clifford Roberts or you know some of the others 
you know, in, in years gone by. Augusta is everything that it has ever been in terms of prestige and mystique and all of those things, but there are people that say it's slightly more relaxed than it once was. It's less stuffy. It's a little more accepting and a little more open. So I don't know. Maybe there's a possibility. Doesn't it seem, though, like the more likely solution and the way to tie college football and Augusta together is for college game day to be in Athens that day, which is only an hour and 20 minutes up the road, and then Scott Van Pelt kind of becomes a correspondent from the course and they try to kind of bridge the gap that way? Like tie the two together without actually having college game day on the grounds at Augusta National Golf Club? That'd be good. I just want to see the personalities interact. <laughs> I'd like to see uh, Sir Nick Faldo and uh, Lee Corso interact for a while. Maybe get. You can bring uh, Uncle Vern uh, up there too. Randall Shamley and a tan off. I just want to see like the golf <laughs> personalities and the game day personalities interact. All right. So who would you use as the guest picker? So we're going to be into the weekend. You will have made the cut. Let's just assume that. Let's Faldo. kind of go with this. Let's put college game day in Augusta that day. I'm sorry, in Athens that day. So they're only separated by an hour and a half. Who who would you bring on as your guest picker? Do you go John Daly since we know he's going to be at the Hooters on Washington Avenue? He's not terribly far away and would be wildly entertaining? Entertaining, Daly's the answer. But I, I would say Jack Nicholas. Okay, that could be good. I mean, he's into college football. His grandson yeah. played at Florida State. Uh, he's a big he's Ohio a big State Buckeye. fan. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, you're not going to have the chairman of Augusta. I mean, that nah. would be. I don't. I, that, that doesn't play. That doesn't nah. play. Or how about somebody that missed the cut? It's <laughs> just hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Mickelson didn't make the cut, but so he's here. Gary, Player. he's gonna want to. He's gonna want in on the gambling segment, though. Yeah, you're right about yeah, that. Yeah, he and the bear can sit in that little <laughs> mini desk. Phil would just be throwing out lines left <laughs> and right. Is there a scenario? My guess is no. Where whoever has the 36 hole lead could be convinced to be the guest picker because they wouldn't go all. Eh, no, because they'll have earlier tea times anyway. Because of shorter days. Even if it were later, I wouldn't think they'd... I guess it might depend on who it was, but I don't think they would... That entire day becomes a routine at that point, not just the five hours you're on the course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the question from Hammy. David says, to cheer you guys up, here's my day. Had to go to work with an ear infection. The work truck broke down. I got stung by a wasp waiting on a ride. I had to eat coleslaw with no fork from uh, the chicken place that he got it because they forgot the fork. And now he can't find his Exxon card, and the fuel light in his truck is on. Tough day, That's David. That's all bad. This, this actually spurred a question. When is the last time you paid for gas with a gas card? So when I, when I was growing up, make the Richards old jokes, but like in the 90s, Everybody had a gas card. Like you had a Chevron card or an Exxon card or an Amoco card. And my parents actually gave me a Chevron card to buy my gas. I didn't get the bill, thankfully. And if they had it to do all over again, they probably wouldn't have gone down that route. You guys ever had a gas card? 
No, but the prices right now probably remind you of what it was like to have one back then. Yeah. I've My used one. I wasn't one. mine. You did have one, Rippy? No, I used one. It was not mine. Yeah. Back in the uh, days of like dollar ten a gallon gas. That was after it went up. I wasn't driving then. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I believe every lie that I ever told. Back with you on Sports Even Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Gorgeous day in the state of Mississippi. We are on the eve of Good Friday. We will be with you tomorrow. In fact, Tomorrow on Super Talk Mississippi is a day of hope. You'll hear messages of hope from our spiritual leaders, government officials, and good stories that are happening in cities and communities all across the state. We'll even get to hear from JT. That's coming up at 10 tomorrow. And at noon, Speaker of the House Philip Gunn will lead us all in a statewide prayer. Join us tomorrow for a day of hope, starting at 6 a.m. with Paul Gallo and running until 6 p.m. here with Sports Talk Mississippi, all on Super Talk Mississippi and streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're also now available for you via video stream. If you want to watch, you can uh, you can do that. If you follow Sports Talk Mississippi on Twitter, you will see at the top of the Twitter app on your phone the Periscope feed. You can watch and join along. And, of course, you can check out uh, supertalktv.com or just go to supertalk.fm slash connect and figure out all the different ways that you can listen or watch the show on a daily basis. Ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That is the number for you to be involved. Guys, I don't know if you saw this earlier today. I know Adam Schefter, primarily an NFL guy, but he tweeted this about 3 o'clock this afternoon. Speaking to people in and around college football this week, there is a, quote, strong conviction, close quote, that there will be a college football season. Uncertainty about when, multiple scenarios being debated, but they sound certain there still will be a college football season. So that's good news, especially if you love college football. But is it news? The un- Do what? Is it news, though? I mean, of course they have strong conviction that they want the season to happen, but they don't know. I'm yeah. not saying it's not. I've said all along, I think probably, but I don't know. But like, how? He, it seems like he's just saying everything that everyone else has been saying for two weeks. Well, segment over. We'll go to commercial break now. No, 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 no. I mean, that's a disgusting point, though. Like, is that actually surprising to any of you? No, it's not surprising, but when you get a national media figure who says they've been talking to lots of college football people, we are getting so much negative news and getting inundated with, well, this is not going to happen, and this is not going to happen, and there's no way this is going to happen, and until a vaccine is done, you're not going to get this. I'm a little encouraged when I hear that lots of high-level college football people are saying, yeah, we're going to play the season. We don't know how. We don't know when. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But we're going to do everything in our power, whether it's starting in October or starting in November or playing it in the spring. We're going to have college football. You're starting to see a language shift really across the board. And I think it's got to be due to the fact that even though we are not anywhere close to being out of the woods yet, but as you mentioned a few minutes ago, 
there has been a string of positive uh, forward-moving news from this deal. It's not over, and we don't know when it will be, but there is, um, we can call it optimism, from like the charts and uh, the day-over-day infection rates and stuff like that. All of those are uh, seemingly going in a positive direction, and so now you're hearing more and more language. I mean, Anthony Fauci said today that um, people can probably go on vacation this summer. You've still got to practice your social distancing as much as you can and wash your hands and stuff, but don't be surprised if you're allowed to go on vacations, even though we're basically already in this weird, like, horror movie-style vacation every day. Um, So you're hearing more and more of that. I even saw something this morning that Danny Green uh, of the Lakers said that he got off the phone off a conference call with the head of the Players Association that said that they're going to play this season by any means necessary, even as early as the end of next month, that they're the NBA is preparing to potentially do that to the point where they're telling their players that this is coming. It's just another anecdote and a string of them over the last 48 hours or so that say maybe there's some positive momentum moving in the right direction this time. How would social distancing work at Disney World? Like that doesn't, right. I can't yeah, even, I mean, I can't even put that in my go on forever. Can't picture it. I just right. wasn't particularly struck by this because it wasn't anything concrete, and you had seen kind of inklings of this in the last little bit. Like I thought, I mean, we all kind of agreed there's probably too much money at stake for them to not exhaust every option. So with that Schefter report in particular, like that one in particular, not all the other ones we've seen the last week, I just wasn't struck by that because it didn't offer anything concrete. Like. Right. Like, you know, well, I mean, people are speculating. No, you know on both what? Sides. Like that, college football people inside college football are going to try to have a season by any means necessary. If it had been like ads feel that the season's going to start on time, to me that would have been more substantive. If that makes sense, like it just seemed yeah. way too vague. Hey, hey, Rippy, congratulations! You can now go write for USA Today Sports. You and Dan Wolken are the same person. No, 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 no. I'm not. Let pessimistic. me read you. No, look. Here's Dan Wolken's tweet. Schefter isn't oh, okay. wrong, okay. but it's not a particularly substantive statement. Lots of us have said, based on conversations with people, that if there's any way for college football to be played, it will be played. You and Dan Wolken, thinking just alike. That's a guy I want to be lockstep with. Yeah, I just need to get one of those matching shirts in that Twitter header. But anyway, <laughs> aside from that, I just like... Make sure I, it's cold outside, too. Yeah. I, <laughs> Holy <diamonds>. cow. Um, <laughs> Jeez. No, but that's I, worse I do than agree your with zipper that. shirt, <laughs> Rippy. That's worse than your zipper shirt. That thing would look better with the zipper, and he'd probably. I'm not gonna go there, but I, I just Nippity didn't find doo-dah. this very substantive. <laughs> like, it's like Schefter. I'm trying to think. That reminds me of the time that like Chris Broussard, when LeBron announced in Sports Illustrated, and Chris Broussard. Uh, was on SportsCenter as LeBron dropped the article, and he looks at his cell phone and goes, I'm getting word that it's Cleveland. Like, after yeah, LeBron has like, published an article that says it's Cleveland, it's like, no way, man. I confirmed through my sources that, yep, he's going to Cleveland, as if 10 minutes ago he didn't tell you that himself. If this to was, y'all's point with the languaging, it is everyone speaking that way is certainly a good sign. I just didn't find this particular report to, like, that didn't move me very much. Yeah. I think this compounded with everything else is noteworthy. This if it if if it was just this in isolation, eh. But now that you've got this and you got Danny Green and you've got Major League Baseball, even though their their idea is a little far fetched, uh, the the leading doctor in this deal talking about summer vacation all happening within forty eight hours or so, it's encouraging to me. On the other hand, Everybody. your boy Dan Wolken 
tweeted half an hour ago, just got a notice that Ole Miss has canceled all in-person summer camps, conferences, and events through August 1. The note includes all academic and athletics programs, including on the Oxford campus. Which, I don't know that that's necessarily new news. I mean, we knew that summer school wasn't happening on campus, that it was going to be online only. Uh, but that's taking you through August 1st with no on-campus events, including academic and athletics programs. I, I'm sure that that's something that could be amended if, you know. Subject to change is probably yeah. in the, there the, somewhere or the implied somewhere. That is obviously, the big effect of that is obviously recruiting. You can't have your, your camps. You can't have kids come come to camp now. So that'll, yeah. that will, that's where that affects, to me, more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I would uh, I would point out that it is unlikely that Ole Miss is operating in a vacuum. I mean, it, it's hard for me to believe that Ole Miss would make an announcement like that and not expect one to uh, not expect to see one from Mississippi State and Southern Miss in relatively short order as well. So, how do you get um, kids on campus if there are no classes for football? Yeah. This you is don't? this is the that's, that's the, the sticking point. point right now. Yeah, that's that's where if you're going to tell these guys they have to come back and there's no classes, then not, not, now they're employees at that point. You just have to just go ahead and bite the bullet. Okay, well then, I better mean, question. I guess can this be amended to a point to where say everything's? I'm not saying this will happen, but a little bit better in July. But you already made a move back at the beginning of April into March to go to summer online classes. Not that that's over the top. Like, is there any way that that gets amended to where you get kids on campus to practice no, football? No. I mean, yes. I, I would say, yes, you could get kids on campus to practice football. You're not going to open your campus in its entirety for students to come back until you get to the fall semester, assuming you're able to open it at that point. But if you get the, okay, football is going to start on September 5th, that first full Saturday of the college football season and camp is going to begin on August 1st because we've gotten the, the go-ahead, and, and that may be a little bit of an aggressive timeline. Yeah, I mean, you can start housing student-athletes, and they can get their stipends for apartments and all of those things, and then they just do their online classes, right? Just, what does this mean for week zero? <laughs> well, what's it like really in Dublin right now? You? Just saying. They're Feels uh, unlikely that uh, that Notre Dame plays in Dublin, huh? Yeah, kind of. Whiskey probably kills the virus, though, so they might be okay in Ireland. But what do you do yeah. about that game? You play it at Notre play Dame it. Stadium. You play it at Notre Dame, yeah. yeah. Luke says the last few minutes of the show have been priceless. Hashtag Dan Wolken Rippy. <laughs> I added the Rippy. He just went with hashtag Dan Wolken. Sports so Talk Mississippi. We will take a quick time out. When we come back, we will get to the news out of Starkville today as it pertains to men's basketball. That's coming up next with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. News out of Starkville today. Mississippi State sophomore basketball player Robert Woodard II is entering the 2020 NBA draft. That is what he told ESPN yesterday. His quote, I am going into the draft with the intention of not going back to school. 
I am maintaining my eligibility because of the uncertainty about the dates and what workouts will look like, but I don't look at it as testing the waters. I am all in with this thing. Robert Woodard went on to say, right now I'm back home in Columbus, Mississippi. At first I was just trying to wrap my head around what happened, but now it's back to work. I'm in the gym, shooting, working on my ball handling, and doing physical training with conditioning and weights. I have a saying, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Um, I don't believe that Robert Woodard II at this point has hired an agency, uh, an agent which would then make him ineligible to return to college. But, hey, Dad, sounds like this isn't, I mean, just using his words, it's not one of those, I'm just going to test the waters. It looks like his plan is to go try to play in the NBA. Right, right. And that that looks like that's going to be the the situation. He talked about uncertainty. Uh, So, you know, if something happens where, you know, let's play the really negative game and things got a lot worse and they had to cancel the NBA draft, obviously he would want to come back to school at that point. But, yeah, so he'll do what he has to do to maintain his eligibility. I think that's the word. But uh, beyond that, yeah, it looks like Mississippi State will be out without Woodard and Perry next year, and that's a big blow uh, for Mississippi State. I, I was expecting Woodard to come back, but I, I, I keep seeing him ranked ahead of Perry in, in mock drafts, and to, the one they put out today had him going number 23 overall. Uh, if he feels like he's he's going to get that, that first-round guarantee from somebody, uh, then he has. it's just smart business to go ahead and go pro. Yeah. What does it mean for Mississippi State? I mean, you know Ooh, Robert buddy. Perry's gone. Robert Woodard II is now gone. That gets you to six or seven total? Uh, let's see. Just, you're talking about coming back? No, that are not coming back. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven total, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, five, five in the transfer portal and now two headed to the NBA. Um but in terms of contributors, it's two starters and a sixth man. Tyson Carter graduates. Right. Although he was the sixth man, and then Perry and Woodard um, obviously don't come back. Right. Right. So State's got, I mean, if you look at it just from a, uh, a statistical standpoint, you're talking about State's trying to replace about 50, close to 50 points per game, I would imagine, uh, in total. And that's going to be difficult for them, you know, with what they bring back. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can expect Abdullah Dude to certainly so suddenly become a uh, 10, 12, 13 point a game score. Uh, you're going to put a lot more pressure on a guy like DJ Stewart to become a big score. A guy like uh, Galen Smith is going to have to deliver. He's going to have to be a guy who you can count on from from day one as a transfer. Um, and then you know somebody like uh, Devon Smith is going to have to come in and, and perform at a pretty high level pretty early. And I, I would expect State. To hit the transfer portal at this point as hard as they possibly can, they need to get some guys who can contribute immediately. Um, because right now, I mean, you look at that team. Look at that team right now with Woodard. I thought, okay, I can talk myself into them being a tournament team. Uh, without him, I, I, I'm struggling to do so. Yeah, just kind of looking at you know the final season box score or season stat sheet for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Reggie Perry, seventeen and a half points and ten rebounds per game. Uh, Tyson Carter, 14 points and two and a half rebounds per game. So that's 31 points and 12 and a half rebounds. Yeah. Robert Woodard, 11 and a half. So that gets you to 42 points and he had six and a half rebounds a game. So you're, you're looking at pretty significant 
Um, but then, I mean, again, with Keyshawn Fizel and Prince Oduro, you're talking about guys that were basically non-contributors. Right, right. Fizel and Oduro, I wish them the best, but they weren't make-or-break guys. And they certainly, I wouldn't say if they were staying, they were, they're not guys you could plug in there. And they would be, okay, we've got Fazell and Aduro. They'll cover what Perry and, and, and Wooder are taking away by any stretch. So th- th- there's going to be some new faces on this roster that y- you see next year that are going to have to, 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 to contribute uh, in some form or fashion. Keyshawn Fazell, in fairness, played in 24 games and averaged 11 minutes a game. Uh, Prince yeah. Aduro played in 21, but only averaged four minutes a game. So, I mean, you could, you could make the argument that Fazell cost you some depth um, oh, there's definitely depth, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But in terms of what they're actually going to give you on the – I mean, other than minutes, other than allowing you to rest starters, what, what did they give yeah. you? Not much. Uh, what about Robert Woodard in the NBA? He, he was quoted in the ESPN story saying, I've been watching film, focusing on both ends of the floor, my own games to see what I can do to improve, as well as my personal favorite, Kawhi Leonard. I like studying how efficient he is on both ends, the way he uses angles on offense and defense. He doesn't need too many dribbles to impact the game. Seven-foot, one-inch wingspan, a 230-pound frame, uh, considered to be a combo forward at the NBA level, and um, pretty efficient three-point shooter as well. When you look at his three-point numbers, didn't shoot a ton of them, uh, mm-hmm. Only 73-point attempts, but shot 30, almost 40%, oh, 43% from behind the arc. So he was 30 yeah. of 70 from three. I saw a scouting report today that said, well, he's a very selective shooter. He only shoots when he's open. I'm just like, what a novel concept. You know, Let's let's shoot when I'm open. It sounds, sounds like a good idea to me, but nah, what do I know? Uh, yeah, I think I think he can be a good pro. Uh, you know, he's an explosive athlete. He's a good defender. Uh, he can he can rebound he can he can block shots he can shoot inside out he can create his own shot I think he's got I got a lot of potential as a pro. Who goes higher in the draft, Reggie Perry or Robert Woodard? Man, a year ago this would have been a really easy question, and we would have said Perry. And now, I mean, every mock draft I've seen for the last couple of months has had Woodard ahead of Perry. I, I think Woodard just projects a little bit better, and you know. 20 years ago, Perry would have been a top-10 pick as a, as a very traditional power forward. I don't know that he's got enough outside game to get ahead of Woodard. 6'10", 250 for Perry. 6'7", 230, 235 for Woodard. Uh, they're, they're both physical specimens. Just mm-hmm. absolutely. Borky, Rippy, you guys watch a ton of NBA You've watched a lot of Mississippi State, a lot of college basketball. When you think about those two guys and project them at the next level, how do they fit? Which would you rather have on your team? Oh, that's a good question. I think Perry, if he can continue to add his outside game, has the frame that fits in the current NBA right now. I mean, that's all he's missing. He's got the physicality. He's got the length. It's just if he can become reliable from mid to outside range to add that complement to his game. I mean, he's a, a roster mainstay somewhere. Maybe not like a starter or anything like that, but uh, that dude can play for a long time if he continues to progress from the outside. And that's something you can add to. It'd be different if he was, you know, six foot seven trying to play the five in the NBA. Well, th- you've just got limitations. Or just he never 
wants to get physical in play that way. No, he's got the athleticism and the physicality. You can develop a jump shot down the road, and he's shown at times that he's capable of making perimeter shots. It's just got to be at a higher volume. And, I mean, he's a roster mainstay in the NBA. Rippy, one of those two guys stand out more for you? To be honest, I haven't seen enough of either one of them to make an educated guess. But, like, I... I mean, I saw what both of them twice, and then I honestly probably on television the couple of times I watched State noticed Perry more. But there really aren't any centers in the NBA anymore. Like five is really kind of a meaningless number for the most part. But I, I think Perry could be a rotation player in the NBA. I really don't know enough about Woodard to be honest. I would be just kind of blowing smoke. The guy that gave yeah. everybody coronavirus is a center in the NBA. Ironically, yeah, fair enough. One of the few left is the one that ruined it for everybody. But there would be certain playoffs. I think it would, think it would have eventually been ruined. Like it's dying yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the big piece of news in basketball for Mississippi State. You also had a uh, a Twitter note from Vic Schaefer to the Bulldog family, in which uh, he thanked Mississippi State fans for a great eight years in Starkville. Uh, talked about how appreciative he was of how he and his family were treated in the time that he was there, and uh, said for one last time he signed off. Praise the Lord. And go dogs! How was that received by Mississippi State folks? Uh, a little too late, probably, more or less. <laughs> Tough crowd. But, I mean, patience. Oh, like two days, and... three days. I, 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 people just—they're just not taking this one well. They just aren't. Hmm. Blair Schaefer also wrote her uh, on note. Uh, maybe it's received better than. Uh, the one from Vic. Eh. Not really? <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. Well, that's the other day. Yeah. There's no easy way to break up. There there are a lot of grudges that are uh, are being held, at least on this one, for a little while. <laughs> you're just no nodding in agreement. I mean, Sports yeah, Talk Mississippi. Just, we'll take right. a quick time out. Be back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. with you on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. It is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Don't forget your small local businesses who are going through difficult times. There's some things that you can do to help them out as you are able to. One of them is to buy gift cards. Local businesses get their help right away, and you'll be able to use gift cards later when life returns to normal. Like, hey, you know, you could do your Christmas shopping in April. Uh, order takeout or curbside pickup from your late, uh, favorite local restaurants at uh, supertalk.fm. We can help you figure out what those restaurants are. Go to supertalk.fm slash eats, as in food, E-A-T-S. There are tons of options for you all across the state, and we're still adding to the list. And remember that a little compassion can go a long way. Um, Borky, is there anything else before we launch into this buy or sell that is like vital we get to? Uh, no, I did. Uh, it broke, so to speak. It was done after uh, I sent the show notes for today. I did think what Danny Green said was interesting about how they uh, were on a conference call with the head of the Players Association and the league is... Uh, going to come back by, he said, any means necessary. Uh, So I figured that was newsworthy. Otherwise, this is a perfect day for this, in my opinion, because the news has grinded to a a screeching halt. I I guess we might might could get to this next 
evolution of reporting from Brett McMurphy, and it's reporting based on a survey that he and the folks at, at Stadium did where they surveyed all 130 athletics directors uh, at the FBS level and got 112 responses. The headline for today's story, the case for a 16-team playoff grows stronger. To me, that's kind of fudging the numbers a little bit. I get what he's he's doing because he had some quotes to go along with it, some athletics directors who are pushing for the idea not just of an expanded playoff but of a 16-team playoff. One of the fascinating quotes is how he begins the article when he quotes Bill Hancock early in this process being fearful of what he called, quote, bracket creep. He said no playoff bracket ever stayed at the size it was when the event was created and that the worst nightmare uh, nightmare for Bill Hancock and those who favored a four-team playoff is now coming true. 88% of football uh, bowl subdivision athletic directors want an expanded playoff. And... You've got a, a reasonably significant number that want a 16-team playoff, depending on your definition of reasonably significant. 11% of the 112 athletics directors that responded to the survey said they would be in favor of a 16-team playoff. So what is that? 15 of the 112 athletics directors, give or take, that said, yeah, let's go to 16 teams. Is that a significant enough number to get us moving in that direction? Or is 16 unlikely? Seems very unlikely. I mean, especially because... Maybe I'm wrong. I think to go to 16, you would have to eliminate a game somewhere, whether it be conference championships or a regular season game. I, just, I don't think you can, on one hand, preach player safety, player safety, player safety, expand your playoffs by a handful of games, and not eliminate a regular season game. I, I don't see that, uh, especially when you're going to get into this battle, and whether or not you agree with the premise doesn't really matter. If you expand the playoffs to 16 games, do you realize how much more money that means the schools and everybody involved is going to make? And the players, again, whether you agree or not is not the argument, will not get an additional dime. And you will have, and it's a growing, there's a growing momentum, and there's more and more people on the side of the more money that's being made, the players should have increased compensation. Or you got to take a game away. One of the two. Didn't FCS we talked about this some teams in a 12 game season? Eleven game season. Well, they don't play a conference so, championship. Some teams are like adding at the end of the season um, a game against like a Division two opponent, but no, they do not play conference championship games at that level. But only if you went to a sixteen team playoff, you'd only have five teams playing that extra conference championship game, right? So that would be eleven that don't that would play the FCS amount of games. Yes, unless you had a, a team that lost its conference championship game still get into the playoff. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I guess it'd be roughly half then, wouldn't you think? Maybe. Probably. We were talking yesterday about how college football it, but... is different than all the other leagues. In the NBA, 53% of the teams in the league get into the playoff 16 of 30. In the NHL, it's 16 of 31 teams. In the NFL, 14 of 32, so 44%. Major League Baseball, 33% of the teams in the league get into the playoffs. 
College basketball is 19%. It's 68 of 350. At the FCS level, you have 126 FCS playing football teams. 24 of them get into the playoffs. That's 19%. Currently in college football, 3% make the playoff. That's 4 out of 130. If you went to a 16-game playoff, that would be 12% of your teams get in. If you went to an 8-team playoff, you would have 6% of your teams getting into the postseason. That's just kind of numbers to compare and contrast for fun, I guess, because I'm okay with college football being different, but I don't think going to 8 is a bad idea. 16 to me, how would you do 16? I mean, would you you seed it where the 1 plays the 16? Or would you divide it into almost like two brackets? Where you have the you one do seed. Do what now? Would you do buys? Not with 16 teams, because you've got an even no. number. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. The FCS does buys for whatever it's worth to you. Yeah. Well, they've got 24 teams in also, though. I thought they did 16. They, no, they're 16. This bracket shows 24 teams in the FCS getting in. This graphic does that Brett McMurphy put out. 24 of the 126 get in. That's 19% of all FCS teams. Buy or sell 24-team playoff. (laughs) No, they do have 24. That's right. They added an extra. That's how they got to the buys. Uh, So they have a a full-on NCAA tournament-style bracket with, with two sides. Once again, I just, we have to point this out. When people will say, oh, well, they can't do that. Here are college football players doing that and still going to school and still going to class. The difference is at the FCS level, there's no bowl game structure to prop up. Sure. And let's see, it was somewhere in this story, um, it's like 65% of college football teams right now go to bowl games. And coaches aren't going to be quick to let go of the idea of bowl games because their compensation, in a lot of cases, is tied to getting to the postseason. Generally speaking, a very local recent example notwithstanding, if you get to a bowl game, you don't lose your job. Extenuating circumstances, I suppose, in the case of Joe Moorhead. But generally speaking... You don't get fired when you get to a bowl game. And when well over half of the teams in Division One get to a bowl game, coaches are going to not necessarily be super excited about the idea of, well, the bowl system gets slaughtered. Well, the bowl system doesn't have to get slaughtered. There still can be bowls. And then you just rework contracts, bowls, or playoff. I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, you didn't make the Independence Bowl. I know we made the playoff, but we're not paying you that money this year. No, you're right. I mean, How many bowl games? There's still going to need to be bowls for the eight and four, seven and five, six and six teams. How yeah. many bowls would I eliminate? Zero. More yeah, football just, is better. I, I don't think the playoff will ruin the bowl system either. Yeah, the I mean, bowls become the playoff games the same way they have now. No, not you if have you have the outback bowl as a playoff game. You have, but not if you not if you allow the four top seeds in an eight team playoff to host games at home for the first weekend. No, if you do that, no, but. For the most part, you don't have to. Do, you just have the Outback Bowl becomes the first round of the playoff game. The Rose Bowl is a second round playoff game, and then so on and so forth. And even if you don't do that, it's still not going to ruin them. I mean, yeah. people go to bowl games because it's like a, a free vacation—not a free vacation, but it's a free excuse 
to go on a vacation somewhere and watch your team play, whether or not four teams or eight teams or 24 teams make the playoff, if your team is still playing in Memphis and you live in Jackson, you're going to drive two and a half hours to go see the Liberty Bowl because what else are you going to do in December? You're going to go watch your team play. More football is good. That's why I'll never understand two arguments that are made all the time. It's and I like Barrett Salee, but he, he again today made the argument for not expanding the playoff because we don't need to. Well, who cares if we need to or not? We don't need all these bowl games, but guess what? It's more football. Why are you complaining about more football? Then you sit in March and April and June, and you're, oh, I miss it so much, and then you say, you want less of it? Come on. That's not what yeah. we're talking about here. Give me more. Yeah, I, I feel like the people that argue, and, and this is not a shot at Barrett, against you know, making the playoff bigger or there are too many bowl games. No, those are very ivory tower arguments. I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to talk down to the masses about what we need or what we don't need and the sanctity of college football and the purity of it. There's no purity. There's no sanctity. That doesn't exist anymore. The whole pageantry and tradition, and yeah, I mean, it's there, but it's not primary. You, you just get it. Yeah, right, you we'll still jump have into the Rose Bowl unwilling to move off New Year's Day. Yeah. Buy or sell when we come back. We'll start that process. Buy or sell. Michael Borky has been cataloging these. He's got them in different categories. We'll cherry pick a few of them. We'll use a few of them for the college football fix coming up in uh, just a little bit. And uh, hopefully we'll have some fun. We also... Want uh, want to hear from you? Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. At Ceasefire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID 19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at ceasefire.com slash ceasefire cares. Buy or sell. K.J. Costello will throw for 5,000 yards in 2020 at Mississippi State. You're making some assumptions there. One, you're making the assumption that we have a football season in its entirety. Two, you're making the assumption that K.J. Costello is indeed the starting quarterback for Mike Leach in year number one at Mississippi State. So making those two assumptions... Buy or sell, Costello throws for 5,000 yards as Mississippi State's quarterback this coming season. Sell. Give me a number. But It'll be between 4,500 and 5,000. I don't think he'll get to 5,000, though. Burrow had postseason games that factored into it, but that's yeah. 600 fewer yards than what Burrow threw for last year. I mean, that's 416... 17 over a 12-game schedule. Add a bowl in there. Okay. Including a bowl game that is 385 yards per game. This is a skosh high for me. That's tough, and they have a good running game. The the reason why I used the the 5,000 number is quite simply they're just going to throw such a volume that the league's never really seen before. Yeah, I agree with that, but I I just think it'll be – I mean, if he has 4,800, that's still a monster season. 5,000 is a ton of yards. Burrow's the only one to eclipse 5,000. 
number two is Tim Couch at 42-75. Three is Manziel at 41-14. Four is Chad Kelly at 40-42. So a good opportunity for mm. K.J. Costello, if everything holds to plan, to be the second all-time leading passer in SEC history for one season. All right, some of your responses. C Spire text line, buy on K.J. Costello. Derek says, will not break 4,000, so he's selling. That's from Derek in the Delta. If that if doesn't the happen, case. they're going 4-8. and eight. Yeah, they're going 4-8 and eight or 3-9 and nine or something like that. Michael in Poplarville says, sell. He's got no proven receivers. And then Herschel, who's in Laurel, says, sell. Same idea. Doesn't have the supporting personnel at this point. I mean, it hasn't ever been a problem before for Mike Leach. He just shows up, and this is what happens. First season at Tech was a struggle, wasn't it? I'm trying to I'm, have some internet issues, but I don't I don't think that it was. If um, Borky, this may mess things up if I adjust these as we go. Buy or sell forty five hundred for KJ Costello. Does that change your answer? I'd buy forty five. Thir- 13 games at 350 yards a game is 4,550. I'd buy that. Leach's first, year, Leach's first year at Washington State, they went 3-9, and nine and they threw for just under 4,000 yards. But I think State State's probably in a better situation than Washington State was. I'll look up uh, Texas Tech here in a second. Bubba and Meridian says sell because of no continuity. Mike in Oxford says sell. Leach won't still be there by the time they play again. First year at Tech, Kingsbury only threw for 3,400 yards. Mm. Different times then, though. I was thinking it's of true. the record-wise the state, Washington State first year, I think. 12? Yeah. Buy or sell? Grant Tisdale will start a game at quarterback for Ole Miss in 2020. And I want to specify true start. Like, not an injury put him there, but he will earn a start via merit in 2020. Sell. Sell. Not quite sure why he stayed. Because he believes in himself and he wanted a fresh start? Well, I mean, I, I okay. Believe in yourself at a school where you can actually play, though. I get why he like, in, from his mindset, he wanted to stay because weird offense wasn't always handled well. Like it is a fresh start in a more conventional style offense type of thing. But I do agree with Hayden in the sense. So I don't, I don't see it. I think it's mostly a two horse race. In limited action, he appears to be the best pure talent passer on the team. Is that based on those two passes that he threw in Tuscaloosa? More than that, but yeah, those were pretty special. The other two didn't show that kind of talent. All right. College football fix is coming up. We'll do some college football buy or sell when we come back with you for the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon, day before Good Friday, the 9th of April. C Spire text line is open to you, 601 879 
95. C Spire and UMMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19. For a limited time, COVID-19 screenings are free through the C Spire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the disease. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. We are looking at buy and sell scenarios. Michael Borky put together a big list of these. We won't go through all of them today, but uh, we'll have some fun uh, with some of these. We got a uh, the one right before the break. Before we wrapped up was uh, buy or sell. Grant Tisdale will draw a true start, not one based on injury, but will start a game based on merit for Ole Miss coming up this fall. Mike in Oxford was in the buy category. Lucas says buy. He's better than Matt Corral. Michael from Poplarville said sell. Plumley is too athletic. And we got one more where we heard buy. Tisdale is going to win the starting job. So those are some of your thoughts. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Your Ford dealers are essential businesses, and so if you've got automobile needs, then check them out. You can find great savings. You can get the best-selling truck in America. And also, don't worry about service. The service centers are open, and they can help you. That's one thing that you don't have to worry about during these uncertain times. So we'll walk through some of these college football buy or sells. Egg Bowl buy or sell. Ole Miss will be a Vegas favorite on Thanksgiving night in Oxford in the regular season finale for the Rebels and the Bulldogs. Rippy, you are up first. Buy or sell Ole Miss as a favorite in the Egg Bowl. Uh, I mean, didn't they technically close as a favorite in the 2019 Egg Bowl? I believe it was minus one when the game kicked off Ole Miss. Yeah, sounds so, right. I guess tentatively buy, but I, <laughs> that's difficult without seeing them play a game. That's fair. Breaking news. Have not seen not- the teams play yet. <laughs> that's true. A lot of conjecture going on here. We could could tell you everything you wanted to know about these teams. If you got a better content idea, I'd love to hear it. In an effort to keep my job possibilities open at USA Today, I don't think we're going to play until 2027. So what Egg Bowl are we talking about here? I I think I'll buy, but I I have very little confidence in that. I think, I mean, home team, benefit of the doubt, I guess. Okay. Uh, Buy. Bailey in the Delta. Ole Miss is just a better football team this year. Mike says bye. Ole Miss will be a double-digit favorite. I'll take Ooh. that line. I'll take that action right now. Ooh. Right now, I'll take it. Stake better, Mike. Mike. I was thinking go, Mike. nowhere outside of three. If you give me Ole Miss plus ten or minus ten and a half, or I'll take Stake plus ten and a half right this second. Which is oh, you interesting. Have the hook I believe too? that's what what it was in the. I mean, I'll take ten. I'm not even worried about it. I think State will be favored in this game. Because think about what we talked about yesterday with over-unders. And if I'm playing that percentage, Ole Miss is coming into this game 5-6, and six, and State would come in at, at worst 6-5, and five, and I playing, you know, if I think this is their seventh win. And so I think State would be favored in this game. Maybe just a one-point favorite, but I think they'd be favored. But didn't you have that scenario last year? 
You did, but I, I think it's a little different. I think State will have played well through. Well, Ole Miss has been home the last two Egg Bowls, and State's won by a combined 90 to 20. No, I know, but based off the projections last year, you had State going for their seventh win and Ole Miss going for their fifth, and no, Ole Miss no, was on the State road. State was going for its sixth win. State was five uh, and six. Okay, so, so it was five and. Oh, wow. So it was five wins. Yeah, both teams wins, were though. bad. Yeah. No, I, I gathered that from watching that, but. <laughs> we, we had a front row seat. The uh, the 2016 Egg Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, Ole Miss was actually 10-point favorite, and State won that pretty handily. Yeah. Hey, Dad can give you an exact score if you need. I can. Um, so Mike, who is an Ole Miss guy, said bye. He was the one that went Ole Miss's double-digit favorite, the guy that thought K.J. Costello would throw for over 5,000 yards. Uh, is selling Ole Miss as the favorite in the Egg Bowl. Which, in fairness, if K.J. Costello throws for over 5,000 yards, Mississippi State probably has had a pretty good year and likely would be the favorite in that particular game. Consistency, if nothing else, from our friend there. Buy or sell? Eli Drinkwitz. Oh, you skipped my favorite one. We'll come back. Eli Drinkwitz will outlast either Lane Kiffin in Oxford or Mike Leach in Starkville. Buy or sell? Buy. It's either or? It's either or. I would say buy. You care to take a guess as to which one he outlasts? Well, I mean, Leach hasn't exactly job hopped. He's had you know three jobs, and I think he'd still be at Texas Tech right now if they had not run him off. So, you know, with Kiffin, I could see if Kiffin gets it turned around in Oxford and has a you know a big eight nine maybe ten win kind of year that some some power program they love him for whatever reason. Some power program would probably be willing to hand him the keys to the kingdom. So, yeah, I would say he he would probably outlast Kiffin if Kiffin does well. Borky, you buying or selling on that? Drinkwitz outlasting one of the two coaches in the state of Mississippi. I'm going to say bye, and for some reason, I, I can't quite figure it out. I think part of it is because he is a good football coach, and he's proven that, and you've seen what he did at NC State for a few years and what happened to them the year he left. I think he's a good football coach, but I can't figure out why, for some reason, I think he's going to work there. It feels like he fits. We talk about how Joe uh, Moorhead just didn't fit at Mississippi State, but was a good coordinator at Penn State. High expectations at Oregon, probably going to do a good job there, but fit matters. For some reason, he feels like he fits there to me, so I think he might be there for a while. And it's not exactly a high bar when you're talking about Ole Miss. Winslow is the last Ole Miss coach that lasted more than five years. It's true. Who was it? Uh, it was... Brewer? Tuberville ninety three to ninety eight. So I guess yeah, it was five. Cutcliffe cut lasted six or seven, didn't he? Yes, ninety nine to oh four. So that be that would be five, right? Uh, ninety eight season, ninety nine, ninety six. Ninety eight? No, no, no. He didn't seven. coach ninety eight. Oh, I'm said look at I, that's right. It was just the bowl game he coached. Yeah, so six. Yeah, yeah. He coached six full seasons. The 99 season, the 2000 okay. season, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. But based on recent history, that's not exactly a high bar to hop over. Yeah. If 
Eli Drinkwitz is successful at Missouri. Does he stay there? I mean, Borky, you say you think he's a fit there based on I'm not sure exactly what, but I'll go with you on that. But he's jumped from NC State to Appalachian State to Missouri. He's a coordinator he at stay put NC there? State. I understand. Appalachian State's a Sunbelt school. I mean, if you're winning at the SEC, there are not there aren't many better jobs out there than the ones that currently exist in the SEC. Now, Missouri's low on the pecking order, but there's not all that much upgrading you can do. And I mean, if you win seven, eight, and nine, and something like I mean, I don't know about Texas or something like that, but there are plenty of programs higher up the picking the pecking order than Missouri. You go back to the ACC and coach at Virginia Tech. You Missouri's at, a better job than Virginia Tech. I would disagree with that. It, for what reason? I think you can win easier at Virginia Tech than you can in Missouri. Then why don't they? What do you mean, though, I don't they? They, they? Virginia Tech hasn't won anything since Michael Vick. I'm not talking about national championships. I'm just talking about win games more consistently. But they don't. All right, now you're making me do some research. <laughs> Keep talking. I would, agree. I would lean with Haydad on this one. I do think Virginia but in, Tech's in what a better way? job. Quantify it. In what way, specifically, is Virginia Tech a better job than Missouri? You're going to have to give me a minute for some research on that one. But just because they hadn't had success like in the last little bit doesn't necessarily mean jobs better or worse. Okay, like, well then tell me why. Ooh. It feels like a, being thrown down. I would actually hey, say hey, to some hey. degree a commitment thing. Because Missouri doesn't feel like like it, They've just renovated they, their stadium twice in four years. Look at Drinkwitz's salary. It's not what Fuente's yeah. making. And they did fire Odom for being okay. He was a perpetual just, bowl coach. Wasn't good enough. Michael Borke is locked in on this. Fortunately for you guys, you will have time for your quick research during the break. We'll continue the college football fix. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm and at supertalktv.com. Sports Talk Mississippi, so you had time to think during the break. Brian Haydad subjected or uh, submitted that Virginia Tech was a better job than Missouri. Rippy agreed with him. Michael Borky has put both of them on front streak, demanding proof. What do you two have to say for yourselves? I'm not being contentious here. It made me think a little bit, but I don't know what metrics Borky wants to use, and I'm not saying that like condescendingly, but nine win seasons since 2010, 11 for Tech, 5 for Missouri. No, excuse since me. Since 2000. That's, that's since 2000. Since 2010, it's 4-3, and three, and then in the 2000-2010, it was 7-2. and two. And then bowl games, you have, I believe, 12 for Missouri, and then Tech has gone to a bowl every year, I appear, yeah. since 95, at least. At least that's 92. what I can find. And then they did go, I mean, in 2010... 2011 Orange Bowl, 2010 Sugar, 2009 Chick-fil-A, 2008 Orange, 2007 Orange. Like, not recently, but in the last two decades, that's a pretty good run. So college football hasn't changed much. The SEC hasn't changed much. Missouri's standing as a job hasn't changed much since 2010 or 2000, 
I mean, going well, I mean, back, I, I those, get your point, I'm not but, arguing that, but like, what time frame are you quantifying this? Right you now, have have like currently today, right now. Right now, if you ask an average college job? football fan, what's a better job, Missouri or Virginia Tech? They're going to care say about Virginia what Tech. the average college football well, fan I'm, says. Okay, I'm idiots. not the average college football fan, and I am telling you that Virginia Tech is a better job than Missouri right now. Okay, Why? by comparison, yeah. then because they win like, more. Did you say Virginia Tech stunk in 2019? Whoa, 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 one at a time. I mean, what do you want beyond they win more? They would win you, more games. And what would you? I, I'm I, I'm just curious, Borky. Like, did you, would you say Virginia Tech stunk in 2019? Um, they weren't great, and they wanted their coach fired, but they got better at the end of the year. Okay, but like as far as job wise, you cannot be not great in the ACC, finish second in the Coastal, and go eight and five. Like easier of winning was my biggest thing in factoring yeah. into it when you put Missouri in the SEC East. Sure. And, I mean, Missouri won the SEC East twice, and if their coach sadly didn't get diagnosed with cancer, they would have still been winning at that high of a level. It's just an SEC job right now. No, I, hold on now. I, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know if that's how Pinkle there. got run out. Pinkle went four well, but, after, after 15 when he won the East. Four and eight, seven and six. I mean, uh, Gary Pinkle was not the coach when they went four and eight. That was Barry Odom. In sixteen, five and seven was the year of uh, fifteen. But they had the okay. student but, protests but hold, and all no, that. But hold on, you're missing a point here. You're missing a point here. Missouri took advantage of an East that was down. They were not going to continue at that level while twice. Georgia and Florida were both on the come. But you can't not like I've, I just made the argument. It's easier to win in the ACC Coastal. You can't knock for Missouri for for yeah. taking advantage of that. But traditionally, I do think SEC East would be much harder to win at than the ACC Coastal. Okay, fair enough. Is Alabama a better job than Wisconsin? Of course it is. Wisconsin, is it's easier to win the division if you're Wisconsin than it okay. is the SEC West. You can't West. use the same criteria what? for every single comparison oh. Oh. of two jobs. Wait, what? I mean, in, in, in that oh. scenario, which is better, a better job? Northwest Mississippi Community College or Alabama? Well, I just used two... I mean, major conferences. I didn't use a community college. The Alabama, Alabama's in the, the number one job or a top five perennial job over the course of six decades, and compared it to Wisconsin. I mean, that that's kind of like cherry picking stats to make your argument. Okay, what fair is, enough. Uh, What's a better job, Alabama or Ohio State? Borky, what does Drinkwitz make? I have my computers freezing up, so I have one of them, but not the other. I think he makes right at four million. Okay, so Fuente is at four point two five, so pretty similar there. That's actually I didn't know. Uh, I was completely unaware that uh, Drinkwitz I was actually started at four million. I would have probably guessed it somewhere in the low threes. Yeah, remember they 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 gave him sort of a Godfather offer because they were tired of getting turned down. Yeah. Well, so what's all right? So so, so Borky's question a just job? a second ago: Alabama or Ohio State? The answer is Alabama. I mean, but it's easier to I win would, at Ohio State. I mean, I think Alabama versus Ohio State, that's kind of a potato potato. Which which do you prefer? Um to me, there are about five jobs, maybe seven jobs in the country that are kind of all on the same footing. Obviously, Alabama's won five national championships under Nick Saban. The argument that I would make, Borky, is there are a handful of jobs nationally where you have 
every single thing you need in place to win. Talent base, recruiting base, facilities, budget, all of those things. And then you got to plug in the right coach. And so, yeah, with Nick Saban, five national championships to back it up, Alabama's a better job. If Urban Meyer isn't a Looney Tune who gets caught in ethical messes more often than not, let's say that he stays at Florida and doesn't have health issues and doesn't have things that happen behind the scenes that cause him to need to leave, Florida might have continued on the clip they were in. Or even with Florida in the rearview mirror, if he stays at Ohio State, maybe you make the argument that Ohio State's a better job with Urban Meyer as the head coach. Okay. Maybe this is out of ignorance. But, like, I've always got the vibe. I remember when Missouri came into the SEC. I guess I was 17 at the time. But always, as and I, I knew a lot a lot less than I do now. But it always seemed like, and y'all may think differently, if Missouri had a choice, like if they were successful in basketball versus football, which ones do you think fans would be more interested in? Like, even, even at the fact that that's a question, like, makes me, like, that, that I guess is where I was getting that with the commitment thing. But that's hard mm-hmm. to tangibly quantify because it's a fan base. Yeah. Which one do you think they would care more for? The answer is I think Missouri fans care more about basketball. I actually think that a little bit as well, and I can't cite any other evidence than walking around there trying to find their ticket office to pick up my credential and walking through their tailgating for over an hour on a random Saturday. They had a great crowd for that game, but it just kind of felt different. Yeah. But back to your point, so it's a good one. Alabama and Ohio State depends on the coach, really. And that's most jobs. So why is that not applied to Missouri and Virginia Tech? I mean, if if it's just a coach away, what's the difference? Because well, to, to me, to me, if you're talking about that cradle of schools where there are no limitations, budgetary, fan base, facility, recruiting base, etc., then it's based on do you have the right coach that gives you a chance to regularly compete for and win national championships. But if you're at a program where winning a national championship really isn't likely, then you're probably measuring how good of a job it is based on different factors. I mean, if you can make the same amount of money and you know that it's unlikely that you're going to win a national championship at either Missouri or Virginia Tech, then the opportunity for stability and the ability to have stability based on winning, you maybe give it a nod to Virginia Tech. Borky, do you think Tennessee's a better job or Missouri? It's Tennessee, but the gap's closed. I wouldn't. That's a different argument. I would say the gap's closed on these two, but Tennessee and Virginia Tech remind me similar because Virginia Tech, 99-2000, back-to-back 11-1s, had it rolling there for a while, but really hasn't happened since. But they're viewed in the same prism. Yeah, but you can recruit significantly better at Tennessee than, at least based on proof, you can recruit much better at Tennessee than you can Virginia Tech. Yes, your competition's more difficult, but your ability to acquire talent is greater at Tennessee, and your resources, uh, both above board and below board, are far greater at Tennessee than that of Virginia Tech. Then what about at Missouri? I I would argue that's the truth between Virginia Tech and Missouri, too. 
So Virginia Tech is an easier place to recruit to than Missouri? I would I would submit that it is. Do yes. the numbers bear that out? I mean, I don't have I don't know the ten year composite average or anything like that, but I mean, I would imagine so. Without 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 looking, my first educated guess is yes. See all of this uh, as a result of a uh, buy or sell, and the buy or sell question was: Eli Drinkwitz outlasts Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach. Buy or sell? Hmm. Virginia Tech, 26th ranked recruiting class in 2019. Missouri, 37. That's one year. Doesn't necessarily mean a transition year for Missouri. Yeah, that's fair. I was just the first one I was able to pull up. I guess I don't know why I didn't do 2020. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a quick timeout. We will continue with you after this. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Just a quick uh, interlude in the uh, the debate. Buy or sell? First take will be back after this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that. I love the 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 back and forth and the engagement on that. Uh, I am curious. Has anybody else hit a wall on what are we doing for dinner tonight? <laughs> I did Win no. Wednesday last night. Ooh. You and watched what? a pretty cool documentary. It's pretty good Wednesday night. Did you cook the wings or did you? Uh, no, did no, no. It was Jinsei yeah. Wing Wednesday. Ooh. You keep telling about those wings. I got, I'm gonna, When all this is over, that's on my list. 12 for like 650. Then I watched this thing called Pin Kings that was, y'all got to watch it. Pretty cool. I've seen King Pin. A bowling documentary? Kings. No, no, no. This is Pin Kings. It's an ASPN feature. It's not 30 for 30. But it was two dudes that were high school wrestlers together in South Miami. And both they were basically like undefeated when wrestling was a big deal. And both of them went off and wrestled in college, one at West Point, one at Georgia. But long story short, without spoiling it, one became one of the like tragic events led to one becoming a DEA agent after the military, and the other became one of the biggest drug smugglers in the world. And like the other one like eventually like played a part in taking him down as they caught him in Ooh. Columbia working for Escobar. It's almost too ri- ridiculous to believe. Wow. And now they're assist- they're coaches together. What where is it? Uh it should be a, it's a podcast series, a written piece and a S- SC featured, I guess. I'm sure it's on Watch ESPN. Okay. Have to uh have to check that one out. No, it's like we finally hit the wall where it's like okay, we've grilled and grilled and grilled and grilled and I know we'll grill this weekend and we got to do Easter menu for Sunday and Whatnot, and it's like, what are we going to do for supper tonight? Sorry, I'm just kind of hungry all of a sudden, and I think that's why my why I trended that direction. It happens. Borky, you said that we skipped over your favorite buy or sell. I didn't know that there was a particular order in which we no, were there was not to an order going but through these. As I was right, well, I've got two. One of them is just kind of a joke. That's my favorite one, but the other one, uh, I had. Actually, fun looking at the helmet schedule and trying to figure out which one this could possibly be. Buy or sell. An SEC team will lose to a non-Power 5 opponent in 2020. Is anybody playing App State? 
Missouri, the aforementioned Tigers, go to BYU. That's the one I circled. There's 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 a there's a hint of friskiness to that, yeah. They do count though, which doesn't make sense, but that's a conversation yeah, no. for not today. No. So um, Florida non power five, Eastern no. Washington, no. South Alabama, New Mexico State, no. Georgia's not losing one to a non power five. Kentucky's got Eastern Michigan, Kent State, Eastern Illinois. No. I mean, there's a time where any uh, in any given season you would put Kentucky on upset alert for some of those games. I just don't think that's where they are as a program right now. One that just pops into my head, though, it, it not, I don't think I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll it'll be that uh, this team will even be you know better than a two touchdown favorite or the underdog. But Tulane versus Mississippi State. Tulane is a, is a frisky group of five team. They run a funky offense. Willie Fritz is a great coach. That, I'm going to say that you could... buy. Okay. And, and, and okay, that's a candidate that's in there. The one that I would circle, though, Borky, is, well, Colorado State. Who, I forget how bad. Who does I'm Vandy thinking play? Vanderbilt has Louisiana that, Tech. That's one I circled that's as one. well. There it is. They, they, they have Colorado State, too, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I was getting at, was I'm thinking of Colorado State traditionally versus Colorado State and just how bad they were last year. Well, if you go traditionally, wouldn't Ole Miss Georgia Southern relatively be one? I don't know what happened to Georgia Southern the last two seasons. Fell off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, Colorado State two years ago beat Arkansas. Not that that's anything huge, but they did do it. ULM beat Arkansas a couple of years back, a few years back. Yeah, I mean, Georgia State Southern was seven and six last year. They wait, they didn't fall off the cliff. They, they were ten and three two years ago. Did they fall off yeah. the cliff before that ten and yes, three season? Before that, they okay. were two and they went two and ten and seventeen. There it is. And then they they got back on back on board. Is that where Willie Fritz was before he got the Tulane job? Is that right? Uh, is he Georgia Southern or Georgia State? He was Georgia Southern, wasn't he? I think you are right on that. We have these devices. Let's see what they say. Their hoops yeah. coach was at Georgia State. He was at Georgia Southern twenty fourteen to twenty fifteen when they were nine and three, nine and four. He leaves, they go five and seven, uh two and ten, and then I think they change coaches again. Right. Let's see. Um buy or sell. Derek Mason will not be the first SEC coach fired this year. Ooh. I think no the reason why I asked this one is I think that he's going to be allowed to coach the season to its completion. And then he'll get fired. And then he'll get fired. So is there so you somebody think Will, you think Will Muschamp gets fired mid year? It's Gus or Muschamp. Is there even another candidate? Uh, no. Yeah Gus was I was looking up Auburn's schedule here. So Auburn, let's say I'm right and they lose to North Carolina, and then they lose to Georgia on the 10th of October. Then they have a stretch. Their next two games are Texas A&M at home and at Mississippi State. Or uh, there's a bye week. Oh, that's perfect. So they let's say they lose to Texas A&M. They're three and three. Then they have a bye. Would they fire Malzahn before they went to Mississippi State? How how did they play 
in that home game against Texas A&M. Do they get oh, yeah, Does it matter? They'd be 3-3 three and three at that point with wins. Or with, uh, three yeah, and three or I mean, it three. matters. Of course it they matters. Would be th- they would be 3-3 three and three with wins over Alcorn, Ole Miss, Southern, and Kentucky. And that's assuming they beat Kentucky. Well, in that scenario, they're four and three, not three and three. Well, if it means they're four and three, they're four and three with games remaining against LSU and Alabama. So they're they're seven and five at best. And they're paying seven million dollars a year for that. I think it's possible for Muschamp too. Let's just pretend he loses. And give me that. Give me that schedule. Four straight. So Coastal Carolina, East Carolina at home, Missouri at Kentucky, at Florida, Tennessee. They should be two and four. If they're two and four, they have the bye week and then lose to A and M at home. It's over. It's over. Yeah, they might fire them in the bye week. Even if they're three and three, they lose to A and M, and then beat Vanderbilt and then lose to Georgia. It's over then. Yeah, because they still have they still have, they haven't played LSU or Clemson, Clemson obviously yeah. LSU and Clemson. Yeah, they have. So yeah, that's a tough schedule. They had the worst one in football last year. Yeah, I mean that's when you're when your non conference opponent is the best team in the country and you still play in the SEC on top of that, so you're playing Georgia and Florida, and now you've got LSU. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to Ooh. So so where do you guys follow that? Derek Mason will not be the first SEC coach fired this year by herself. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. I think one of those like two gets fired in season. There. I think I think there will be a, a an in season firing at either South Carolina, possibly Auburn. I can't think anywhere else that would that would be in trouble right off the bat. Buy or sell? Sam Pittman will win as many games this year at Arkansas as Chad Morris did in two years. So you'd have to win four. After we I have to four. buy that because I went over three and a half yesterday, and I'd be a hypocrite. Yeah, I went under, so I can say no. He's got to beat Kent State, Charleston Southern, the Bucks. That'll be tricky, and ULM, and win one other game. Wait, Arkansas went one and eleven, two and ten the last two seasons. No, no it's no, went as many, as many as many as they went. They went two and ten each of the last two seasons. All those people that love to argue Arkansas is the same level program slash job as Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I'd like Haven't a word, met Michael Borky. Buddy, I am very strongly on the side of where's, the Mississippi schools Crow are better jobs than Arkansas right now. Arkansas's got the money, sure they do. Yes, they do, and they they are the only team in the state. They don't have that much more money, it, right? And they keep this having is to pay most buyouts. Yell at you about Tyson Foods and Walmart, <laughs> but they keep yeah, having I, to pay buyouts. So how much money do they really have? But what in the? I mean, in the last decade, in the last year, whatever. This last hiring process showed you all you needed to know. One job is better than the. Both jobs are better than that one. They went two and ten, two and ten. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the disaster that was the end of Houston Nut, it was four and eight, two and ten. Should have brought Nut back to Arkansas. Could solved all these problems.
You know how you spell fun? W-I-N. <laughs>
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.